Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Listen, if you've been following along with the journey on the show, you know our guests continue to get better. I hear you in the DMs. I hear you in, in the comments when you say, oh my goodness, such an amazing guest, such an amazing guest. Today's guest is going to raise the bar even higher. Let me tell you a little bit about Colleen Francis. Colleen is driven by a passion for sales and results. She's a successful sales leader for over 20 years. She understands the challenges of selling in today's market. Clients note her uh, frank, no-nonsense approach to solving problems and addressing opportunities, uh, an approach that delivers sales results. Colleen is an award-winning writer, consultant, and best-selling author of popular sales books, including the recent book, Right on the Money. She's a recognized thought leader in sales leadership. She's an inducting the Professional Speaker Hall of Fame, and she has been named the number one sales influencer to follow on LinkedIn. Number one, team. Be sure to listen to today's show. Colleen, welcome to the Catapulted Commissions Podcast. Yeah, I am really happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Anthony. And hello out there to all the listeners. I'm glad to have you here. Now, Colleen, let's 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 jump. Let's, let's start with right on the money. So you've written a couple successful books in the past. And the previous books were the nonstop sales boom, honestly sales. And now we come out with right on the money, which is new principles for bold growth. What is the premise for that book and how did that book come to life? And, and really, let's, let's just be honest, why would the Catapulting Commission's family want to hear from that book? It's a great question. And I'm going to ask, answer the second one first, because awesome. what happened, how this book came alive is that I was writing it through 2019. And I wanted to talk about some of the changes that were coming into the marketplace based on what was happening in 2019. And I was literally finished the book in January, February, March, you know, of 2020, and things changed. And in talking with, uh, you know, my business coach, my business partner, and a few other people, we agreed that we could not go to print <laughs> with a book that talked about, hey, you know, what was happening then? And so I spent the better part of 2020 rewriting it based on what I was seeing happen with my top performing clients in 2020. Um, while we were going through, you know, in 2020 and 2021, um, I had the privilege of working with a lot of clients who had um, been designated as essential services. So I worked with a lot of commodities companies, agricultural companies, oil and gas companies, manufacturing companies, and their sales reps had to be uh, front and center serving their customers. And so I got a real firsthand look on what was working and what wasn't working to drive sales and, of, of course, commissions. And so the premise of the book then, and the inspiration was, okay, we know things have changed, right? In fact, um, COVID and the lockdowns and everything that happened have actually uh, catapulted, to use your language, <laughs> the change even faster than it was happening before. 
And what we're seeing now is those changes aren't going away. They weren't temporary. They're actually sticking, many of them. And so we have to uh, learn how to take advantage of them. And what better way to do that than by listening to the stories of the people who were succeeding in real time when things were very difficult. Mm. The it, it, I hear the need for adaption and change. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest, right? There's a need for adaption and change. I I look at my sales career myself, right? I'm coming up on my 20th year in sales, uh, various uh, different backgrounds. But truth is, I cut my teeth in the B2B door to door, like true sales. I hate saying true because it discredits what we do. The old school sales of process. And I have found myself years ago being, hey, I don't want to be that guy that adapts. What I do works works well. Yeah. (laughs) I hear that so much right now. How are in in the research you did for this book, how have people pivoted from what they've always done? Well, and and, and let's let's be honest, Colleen, there's people listening to the show right now that are like, Anthony, Colleen, that's great. But look, man, I've made over 350 grand a year for the last 10 years in a row. I got 10 years left in my career. Why in the hell should I care what the two of you are talking about? Well, to those people, you should care because they want you want to continue making 350,000 or more for the next 10 years. Right. So what you know, it's interesting to me what's changed. So I work with a lot of traditional industries and in traditional industries, there are a lot of salespeople who have been around a long time. Right. Like, I mean, and I'm not kidding you. I've got I've got sales reps who are in their 70s who are still Mm. working the same territory with the same company that they've been working for, you know, 40 years. Um, And so a lot of these guys feel the same way. Um, And in many of the traditional industries, they sell in that same or they did in that same environment, Anthony, that you described, where they go door to door. They make cold calls by physically walking into buildings. And a number of them at the beginning of the um, pandemic crossed their arms and went back to their offices and said, well, I'm just not going to talk to anyone until I can get back out there. And after three months of not being able to see anyone, they kind of went, oh, man, maybe I need to learn how to use this technology stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I know that's extreme. And some of you are thinking, well, come on, Colleen, I don't make physical cold calls and I'm not 72 years old and I haven't, you know, but it the same stands for even telephone um, phone calls. And I can explain that in a minute. But the reality is, is that buyers are still so pressed for time for a number of reasons, right? We've got worker shortages. We've got companies who are trying to reclaim profits that they've lost for the last couple of years. We have supply chain issues. Um, They're so busy. um, And they're also new um, because we're facing a really interesting buyer dynamic right now where we've got a whole boatload of new buyers in the marketplace who've never bought before. And they don't have mentors because they're seniors have retired. They've moved on. They just left, right? You know, the great, the great escape, if we want to call it that. So what's happening is in order to manage the risk associated with too much work, too much, um, not enough time and not knowing what they're doing, they tend to work with people that they have a relationship with as opposed to people that are brand new. It makes sense, right? That's what improves their confidence in the buying cycle. So what we're seeing and, you know, depending on uh, where you fit, is you know people learning how to build relationships before they make that phone call learning how to populate the marketplace with seeds of knowledge and insights and relationships so that people know and recognize you when you make that first call or make that first email and that's what's driving performance um because that sort of traditional cold call 
um, has slipped to such a small percentage of success. I think it's 0.3% the last time that I uh, measured it, that it's just not worth doing, right? Mm. So that does 100% address the let's pivot, let's adapt to the new technology, the new way of selling, the new things that are going to be relevant to today's consumer. So in that scenario there, you said that uh, the exact phrase is, is you're building the relationship before. Yeah. So I look at, I remember my, some of my very first cold calls in businesses walking and no one knew who the heck I was. And you know, at those days you wore a shirt and tie and it was 102 (laughs) degrees outside. I'm like, I'm not an IRS auditor. I swear I'm I'm not, I'm trying to make some money to provide for my young family. Help me out. But how do, how do today's buyers and today's sellers, how do they establish that relationship in advance in an authentic fashion? Because I'm oh, sure, I'm sure, yeah. Colleen, people pitch you all the time. And I say this every show. This is not my invitation to pitch me. But I get pitched all the time. And I'm like, you guys have to be kidding me. Like, do you not even listen to half the crap I say? So how do we establish that authentic relationship in advance? Yeah, because my favorite pitches are when people call me and ask, um, tell me that they can help my dental practice. I'm like, did you even look at my profile? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I was a dentist? <laughs> Anyways, um, so... I have an expression that I use in the book that said, you know, it used to be when I first started selling in the insurance business that, you know, buyers didn't know who we were until we picked up the phone and called. But now we don't know who buyers are until they put up their hands and say, I'm ready. Mm. And so what do we have to do? Well, we have to seed the marketplace. I truly believe um, that buyers now um, are communities, not committees, because that sort of strikes a formal, you know, we've got an RFP committee, but communities, meaning, we never really know who in that buyer's community they're listening to. And they could be people they sit next to at work, or they could be um, colleagues or bosses of theirs um, or employees. They could also be advisors or influencers from outside of the company or outside their circle. They could be family, friends, or depending on your market, they could be those anonymous reviews that you see on Amazon that just says, you know, a thousand people like this product. So They could also be people who are listening to podcasts like this and just say to their friend, hey, you know, you should talk to Anthony and Colleen, right? People we will never meet. So what we have to do as salespeople is embrace that and um, create what I call critical mass influence in the marketplace, where we are building um, to influence this community by delivering insights and value and really becoming an object of interest. So if you follow the mantra, you know, you never know where your next hit is going to come from. What you do is you take the value that you deliver, uh, whatever that is, and in whatever form, you know, in the form of case studies or tips or, um, you know, uh, tip sheets or videos or audio, and you publish it everywhere, everywhere your customers are hanging Mm. out. So if that's LinkedIn, it's LinkedIn. If it's Facebook, it's Facebook. If it's an industry forum or an industry association, it's there. If it's on your own website and you're hosting your own podcasts or webinars or training videos, if it's live events that you're hosting open houses, it's all of those things so that everybody sees you everywhere. And when you finally pick up the phone, they say, my gosh, Colleen, I see you everywhere. I guess I better pay attention. You must be important. You must be busy. <laughs> you must be, you know, good at what you do. You know, it, it, and what you just laid out establishes that, that thought leadership as a yes. sales professional. And yep. there's, I, I see many sales professionals 
that are resistant to embracing that thought leadership component. Like, oh, I don't want to be on social media. I don't want my friends and family. And, and I look at it and I say, I got to be honest with you. I, fun fact, I hate cold calling. I hated it, hated it to this day. I do, I, when the moment of my career passed that point where I didn't have to make any cold calls and my income wouldn't suffer, it was like the, the floodgates open and I was like, this is it. I've arrived to like the sales, the sales mountaintop. Yeah. Today, that mountaintop is, I believe, in my opinion, easier to achieve because you can establish that thought leadership to get people out there. Uh, Absolutely. Is there a way to go about that where let's talk about the mistakes when people try to do that? Because there are people who try to do it. And and there's some mistakes that are made when people establish their let's just say their social media or their personal brand, for lack of better words, related to the product they sell. How are people doing it effectively and what mistakes should the Catapult Commission's family avoid in doing so? Yes. So great question. The mistakes are that they're pitching all the time, right? They go onto Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, they find a connection they want, and they immediately say, hey, can I talk to you about helping you blank, right? Mm -hmm. That's the mistake. Um, What they should be doing, and this is applicable to whether you work for a big company that has, you know, massive marketing machines and and marketing material, or you're an entrepreneur um, on your own. Um, and, And we put this to work in highly regulated industries for those who might be in healthcare sales and finance sales, all the way down to non-regulated industries. Um, You you need to think about curating. So you yourself as the salesperson, especially if you're new, might feel overwhelmed because you think, but I'm not the thought leader. (laughs) We have those people. It's fine. Then use the thought leadership that your company is creating, the marketing materials, the case studies, the examples, use the voices of your customers um, and post that. Um, I have a process in in um, right on the money called the tempo triad, um, because the other thing that when I was starting to um, roll this out with clients, VPs of sales would say to me, look, Colleen, I don't want my my guys spending, you know, four hours a day on social media. Like they're not they're not supposed to be marketing the company. They've got to pick up the phone and talk to customers, which I get. Um, but this process takes 15 minutes a day um, and that's all that it needs. And what we do is we pick three types of media that your customers are consuming. So, you know, when Anthony, when you say um, people say to you, I don't want to be on social media, I'm like, well, if your customers are there, then you're missing out. Like I always laugh with my crusty old sales vets. And I said, if I told you that 90% of your customers were in the bar next door, would you be still sitting here? Or would you be going next door? <laughs> <laughs> right? like, I don't care what you like. I care what your customers like. Uh, so pick three and then um, three, uh, then do three things three times a week. Post something unique and original. So that could be something you've posted your, or your company. You've just copied and pasted from your company. And honestly, it could be three sentences, right? Um, congratulations to a customer or, or you know, something, um, you know, one tip from a marketing brochure, whatever. Um, it could even be an announcement that you guys are going to be showing up at a, an event. Um, and then also post something that um, people would find interesting. So I, I suggest um, if you're using LinkedIn, for example, you know, you always get those little news mm-hmm. um, feeds at the top. If there's something relevant to your industry from a reliable source, um, something from your association that might have come out about an announcement around new legislation or new opportunities or um, something in the local community, if there's a fundraising event or something like that. And then also, um, you could also share something from your customer. 
if a customer has, uh, you know, announced a new opening of a store. Um, and then also make sure you're commenting on your customers or your network, your community's um, material. So, um, you know, if they post something rather than just liking it or sharing it, say, you know, congratulations or ask them a question. Show them that you're engaged in listening to them. Um, and the top performers I do actually do those things every day. Um, but at a minimum, I say to salespeople, if you're just getting started, you've got to do those three things three times a week. Amy Colleen, the Tempo Triad Catapult to Commissions family, that can be more simpler to follow. I mean, that was just detail for detail and execute the plan that's laid out. So I, I love that. And, and the way you're describing it to me, when you say go out and, and, and engage and, and comment, the, the best analogy for social media is it's a relationship. Like if yeah. I'm going to be with my prospects, you know, catapulting commissions family don't no one. And I don't even, I have to, some of you remember going to network mixers. I I'm sure Colin, you remember going to the professional business mixers. You didn't just walk up to somebody and be like, here, buy my stuff. No, <laughs> Why, don't, don't do that on social media. That's just like the worst idea. Do not run up and say, Hey, buy my stuff. Cause exactly. in those days people looked at you like, what are you talking about? And you, you knew the relationship was dead. Now they're just ignoring you and you'll never get a second chance. You raise a good point because when, you know, years ago, when we taught sort of good, you know, proper networking skills, one of the things that you learned is that you would talk to someone at a networking event. And then if the conversation seemed to be positive, you might say to them, hey, does it make sense for us to take this conversation offline? And can I give you a call next week? Right. We should be doing the same thing on social media. You're back and forth engaging with someone. And at a certain point, then you say, hey, you know, can I pick up the phone? Can I call you? Like, is this worth talking in a little bit more detail, but you don't just pitch <laughs> the way it's exactly the same. Yeah. I, I actually, I, that's a really good way to look at it where we did do that. You, you built, you built a relationship. You yeah. said, can I connect with you later? So you never made that, that assumption that you're the right person to speak to. And right now is the right timing. Um, exactly. Social media gives us so much access that we forget just basic human principles of communication. We do. Yes. Catapult the commission's family. Do not be that salesperson. Do not go into social media and, and bash, bash your prospects. Cause it just, it doesn't work. Commission breadth does come across in social media. It's really easy to identify and your prospects. Let's just be honest. They are smarter today than ever before. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, Colleen, I'd like to get your take on something here, sure. right? We're in agreement. The, the sales process has changed, right? You, you, you mentioned, yeah. right, we used to go look for where, you know, we were, we were targeting it and trying to find buyers. And now buyers are really like, hey, I'll let you know when I'm ready to buy. Yeah. It creates a new challenge in the world of pipeline management. You see, sales reps, even, even the best enterprise sales professionals that have these multi-step processes are now yeah. finding there's a little bit more challenges in managing my pipeline because I can't adapt to the modern consumer who is really saying, Hey, I know what I want. And if you don't like there, it's almost like you have a one shot before the, 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 the error, yeah. the, the wiggle room for error is so small. How yeah. do, how do, do we 
ensure we're managing our pipeline to its fullest potential because I believe there's some pipeline mistakes that are taking place. And I don't want to yeah. quote all the old sales staffs we heard five to eight follow-ups and blah, 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 and all the things we heard for years. There's some validity there, but the truth is it's, it's a pipeline management system that is breaking down right now with the today's modern buyer. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things we need to pay attention to. Um, one, um, it's a mistake to think that just because, you know, as I said, you know, buyers don't know you until they kind of raise mm. their hand or they're ready to be seen. That doesn't mean you can't make outbound inquiries, but we're making them with warmer leads, right? So you still should be reaching out. Um, and you should also be reaching out to your existing customers to spot opportunities. The, the amount of unearthed opportunities with existing clients is phenomenal to me. I mean, I just, salespeople have a huge blind spot there. And it's amazing how many of your customers are buying things that you sell from other people because they just don't know that you sell those things. We get kind of myopic, you know, in our in our view, and we've got a blind spot there. So we should be constantly looking to create opportunities um, with our current clients and also do some outbound when you've got um, this relationship built on social media. Now, you said something. You said um, buyers say, "I look, I know what I want. And if you can't provide it for me, then I'm moving on." Right? I am sure that. 95% of this audience has heard that from a customer and said, yeah, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're actually wrong. And we see this all the time in all of, of the industries. So what salespeople have to do to take back control of their pipeline um, is to be brave. You know, this, this is, um, it kind of goes back to the challenger sale a little bit. If, if anyone has read the challenger sale, you know, it's about 10 years old, but it's really applicable right now where we, find a way to help that customer pivot their thinking or reframe their thinking um, so that they're thinking about the problem in a different way um, and that we provide them some education or some insights, some ideas that actually might cause them to go, oh, I was thinking about it as, you know, this solution, but maybe there's a better solution, right? I, I um, I'm a runner and as a result, I'm, you know, always sore and and injured and I'm at massage therapy or PT all the time. And I always find it amazing. You know, I go in and I say to my guy, oh, my left hip is killing me. Right. And he pokes in it a bit and goes, ah, well, that's not the problem. The problem is your right calf. Right. <laughs> like I didn't even know that was sore until he started poking around in there, but he fixes my right calf and magically my left hip is fixed. <laughs> we have to be a bit more like that. I mean, that's a basic medical practice, right? Ask questions. Why do you think that that's the solution? What's going on? What else is going on? What changed when it was working before and it stopped working? Why did that happen? Um, because you might find then that the, there's actually a better solution. Um, and now you're differentiating yourself from the competition. Hold on a second, Catapulting Commissions family. I have to interrupt this episode. I will bring your amazing guest right back in less than 60 seconds. Here's the deal. 70% of sales professionals say they are unhappy with their annual income. Over 60% of sales professionals say they're concerned about hitting quota next year. Eight out of 10 businesses that close their door are citing a lack of revenue as the reason they've closed their doors. Sales is struggling right now. And the need for trained sales professionals is at an all-time high. And that is why 
After years of requests, we've put together the Catapulting Commission's Sales Academy, specifically designed for you, the person looking to take their sales to that next level. So go to catapultingcommissionsacademy.com, get registered for the upcoming workshop. It is live right now. You will learn the same method that we've used for years that has taken our students from fifty dollars and $60,000 in annual income to over $300,000 and $400,000 in annual income consistently. We're going to break down how to get your prospect to say yes every time without having the sleazy sales tactics of yesterday. And I'm going to ensure you leave this training knowing how to ensure your prospect never tells you your product or service is too expensive ever again. So do me a favor. Go to catapultingcommissionsacademy.com, get connected, join the upcoming workshop, and here's the kicker. Everything we do at Catapulting Commissions is backed by a 100% guarantee. That means if you don't get the value out of the program you've joined, we will refund you 100% of the money back. No questions asked. Find a better guarantee out there. Catapulting Commissions family, I look forward to seeing you. Go click the link and I'll see you in the next workshop. Mm. You know, we... We have to take the approach that a sales, even though the modern day consumer is a little bit different, the element of just a human connection and having a dialogue and really trying to create understanding, it doesn't change. And the sales process, I always use the analogy, it's like we're like detectives. It's just to uncover little bits and pieces of information so I can give you something valuable when the timing is appropriate. Not what yep. I think is valuable, but what is actually valuable to you. So, absolutely. So, I, okay. You know, I have an interesting example on this. Um, so, a client of mine is in the oil distribution business to large manufacturers and fleet owners. And um, this cu- the sales rep went in to see this fleet owner, hundreds of trucks, right? And the guy said, I want this specific product. And he said, for all your trucks? And he said, yeah, for all your trucks. And he said... But some of those trucks are newer, right? And he's like, yeah, some of them are you know, brand new. He's like, the product that you're asking for will actually put you out of the warranty issues. Like it's, it's not spec for the, for the engine. He's like, ah, I've always used this product. We're going to continue using this product. He literally said, if you won't sell me what I want, get the hell out of my office. Wow. And so the sales rep said, hey, I'm not going to sell you a product that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in warranty claims. So he left. And a month later, the guy called him back. The owner called him back and said, you know what? You were right. I finally looked at the owner's manual. He hadn't even bothered to look at the owner's manual. He was just, I've done this for 20 years. And so I want to continue doing it. And he had no idea that if he had had a problem with any of those trucks, it would have cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So that's the kind of challenge that we have to present to our customers that helps you manage your pipeline more effectively. I love it. I love it. You have to have that level of comfort, Catapult Commission's family, with having the uncomfortable yeah. conversations. Like it's just you're not going to excel in a career in sales if you're just gonna sugarcoat and make everyone happy all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there there has to be that. There has to be difficult conversations. So speaking of difficult conversations, let, let's let's pivot on something here. Uh Colleen, some of the work you do is within the world of sales leadership, not just the sales professional, but the sales yeah, management. Absolutely. So Let's talk in that component of the sales leaders right now. Sure. There's a lot of distractions for yes. sales professionals. Let's just, I don't need, I'm not going to go down the, the rabbit hole, but let's just say there's tons of distractions. Yeah. And right. The, the great resignation, you know, the turnover for sales professionals is at an all time high. There was an article in Forbes recently that just said, if you're, if you missed 
the resignation, chances are you took a pay cut. Like, like it is just point blank saying wow. you, you have to find that you, you should have left your old company and started with a new company. Right. Which, which is oh, really, yeah. yeah, which is really backwards. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the article, the logic was the rate of inflation grew faster than the rate of any merit increase or anything in that nature. Yeah. How do sales leaders right now retain their sales force in the time of, let's just argue, uncertainty like i it is probably one of the most uncertain times in in my lifetime in working in this industry so how do we retain our top performers yeah so this is a really great question um so i think there's a couple of things one you have to get clear as a sales leader of what motivates your sales team it may or may not be money i mean money is not a universal motivator but it is definitely a universal demotivator if, if there's a lack of it so you have to truly understand what that sales rep um uh is interested in is it working from home is it more vacation is it uh, money right is it um that they only want to work with existing customers and they don't want to cold call anymore like you truly have to understand that um because what we're seeing in the marketplace is if i could call it bespoke bespoke programs for each sales reps depending on their needs um, and what they value and also what they're good at right? Mm. What somebody who is planning to retire in the next two or three years wants in their sales career could be very different from someone who is just starting out. Yet historically, we've paid them the same, gave them the same quotas, um, you know, the same size territories and the same goals. And that doesn't make, it's never made sense, but it doesn't make sense now. You want that person who's going to retire in the next few years to stay with you because they have that body of knowledge, right? On the other hand, you need those young younger salespeople or newer salespeople to you mm. to love what they're doing and succeed quickly so that they stay with you. Um, and so that's number one, truly understanding and seeing if there's an opportunity to build some kind of, you know, bespoke type program, whether it based on targets or um, the types of sales they're doing and their commission, their, their benefits. Number two is coaching. Um, you know, coaching has always been important yet. Um, it's uh, underutilized from sales management perspective. And I get into LinkedIn fights all the time with sales managers who say, I don't believe in coaching. They you know, either sink or swim. I hire superstars and leave them alone. And my argument is, yeah, Tom Brady's a superstar. Does he get left alone? Right? Michael Jordan was a superstar. Did he get left alone? No, those are the guys you coach. They're the ones. If they're that good with natural talent, then they have the ability to move the bar even higher um, when they're really succeeding. And they all need coaching at the top end, you know, the medium end and the low end. But those top performers, especially, it's an abdication of responsibility. Um, and I believe that sales managers um, who don't coach and who then don't get um, performance out of their team are responsible for that. And just like a head coach of a you know, NFL team that has a mm -hmm. bad season, they get fired usually right away. You know, yeah. isn't it? they don't get fired after five bad seasons in a row. <laughs> no, it's they get a... fired after five bad games. <laughs> that is the that is the brutal world of sales leadership, right? It is no one remembers what you did last year. You always have to be on top. You always have to deliver. And I get that. And, and, and to the Catapult Commission's family that that is in, in corporate America that follows the show, I understand and empathize the position you're in. Colleen, I'd love to. Can we define when you said coaching? Yeah. 
Give me your definition of, of coaching for a sales professional, because I believe my hypothesis here is there's sales managers in these large companies that will say, I do coach my sales reps. Yeah. But I would argue if I observe that call, I'm like, that's it's not coaching. So I'd love to hear your definition yeah. of what coaching is, and what coaching isn't. So coaching um, is uh, affecting behavior change. Simple as mm. that. Um, uh, coaching is not being with your guys all the time and having an open door. They can call me when they want. That's not coaching. Um, that's, you know, co- those are conversations um, and it's help, but it's not coaching. So proper coaching is um, done on a regular schedule. Uh, my ideal is one-on-one every other week for 30 minutes at a time. Um, dedicated time in the office or over video um, where you cover, you know, um, core metrics in your pipeline, you know, uh, whether you're ahead or behind or what you're going to do about it, whether that there's always action steps. Okay. We mm-hmm. talked about a lot today. What are you going to do differently? And there's always follow-up. You said you were going to do these three things last week. How did it go? Um, and there's um, the brainstorming of solutions. Coaching should never be something that the sales rep can apply just to that one opportunity and then have to keep coming back to over and over again. So if I'm coaching you um, and we're working on uh, trying to close a deal and we come up with questions to ask or people to meet, the coach then says, okay, Anthony, who else can you apply this to, right? It's about the expansion of that learning. Now, one-on-one coaching is not the only type of coaching there is. Um, I think that you know regular group sales meetings are a form of coaching if people are sharing best practices and applying it. You know, but in a sales team meeting where people are sharing wins or sharing um, problems and and the team is maybe brainstorming, your role as a coach is to go around the room and say, okay, you know, Colleen got some great solutions to fixing this problem. Um, who else has an opportunity in their pipeline they can apply that to? Because now we're expanding that learning. Mm. And then the other kind of coaching is ride along coaching. And this is where a lot of sales managers make a mistake. They love to ride along with their sales reps to save the day and win the business, right? And be the hero for the company. And they still base base their worth to the company on their ability to close and be the best salesperson. Your job is not to be the best salesperson. Your job is to make every single person on your team better than you ever were. That is how you accelerate, you know, your commission as a sales leader, right? Mm And so that ride along coaching is important because you got to see what they're actually doing. Jump in and save them if there's a problem. But then you sit in the car after or on video if it's a video conference and say, here's what I saw you do really well. Do more of that. And here's what needs some work. Let's do more. Let's do less of that. And, you know, here's some areas of improvement. I I love how how you break it down to it's the simplest form. Coaching is behavior change. There's different metrics and different ways to do it. It's not the open door policy. And, and I would even argue it's not being the likable guy, right? No, oh, like no. nobody likes their coach at a certain point in time. Everyone's like, I hate that dude or that yeah. gal. Like it's just <laughs> because they push you, they're going to push you out your comfort zone. But exactly. the ride along you just mentioned, I, I, I would love, I, I loved when I was a corporate America sales manager and I would ride along with somebody. And if I saw my guy or gal losing a deal, if the deal was small enough or the, the like, it was, it was a calculated. If the deal was small enough, I would let them fail because afterwards they learned way more than we came in to, to, to save it. And, yeah. I, and I think the, what you mentioned for sales managers, when they're, they want to be the super seller, it's like the number one mistake entry level yeah. sales managers make. 
Absolutely. And do you know the other the other issue? And I made this mistake um, a lot as a sales manager and even a sales rep. Um, you know, because I'm uh, I always have been really driven is not celebrating successes and recognizing um, that success. We tend to move the goalposts a lot in sales. And um, I've come to realize that um, it doesn't matter that, you know, you're good. It matters that, you know, why you're good. And so dissecting the wins is really critical. It's really important to celebrate that win. Yay. You know, I closed a big deal. And then sit down and say, what did I do at every step that made this happen? Because when you do that, you can replicate it yourself, but the manager can then also teach that to other people. Mm. That makes that makes tons of sense. It's, it's the, the debriefing almost at the end of just saying, what, what do we do well? How do we, how do we apply this? How can we learn and utilize this over and over again? Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, Colleen, I have to be honest with you. This, you have been on my vision board of sales guests for some time. So I'm glad to have you here on the glad show. That can I, can I get you back in a year or two? Cause I'd love to talk about the evolution that's consistently taking absolutely. place. Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to It'd be fun. Glad to have it. Now, Colleen, how does the Catapult Commissions family learn uh, more about you? How do they get connected with you? And, and more importantly, I guess, how do they find the book? Ah, great questions. The book is available on Amazon, right on the money or, you know, other online booksellers. I know it's on the Apple. Um, sorry, I'm not an, an, a Mac person, but the Apple books um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, store as well. The two best places to find me are either on LinkedIn, um, just on, under, under Colleen Francis, or online um, on our website at engagedselling.com. And you are welcome to sign up for all of our free uh, materials, my videos, my um my uh, LinkedIn lives, my newsletters, all of that's available for free. Fantastic. Catapult to Commissions family. We will have those links in the show notes. Do me a favor. Go get connected with Colleen on LinkedIn, engagedselling.com. You'll find the link to Amazon to pick up the book. It's available right now. So let's ensure that you go and get that because let's be honest, guys, you're listening to this to get better. You're only as good as the action you take. And today's show gave you tons of actionable items to take. Colleen, I wish you nothing but abundant success. Catapult to Commissions family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I'll see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.